Welcome to From the Peak with hosts Howie Outerbridge and Peter Sonier, where innovators, leadership gurus, and just plain old awesome people are interviewed to hear how they have gained clarity in their lives and improved their view from the peak. I gotta say, I love that. Love that cowbell. Cowbell is awesome. <laughs> Got to say, I love the cowbell. It totally sets the tone, gets us gets us into the mood. And uh, and welcome to from the peak. Uh, my co-host Peter Sonier today is um, he's he's actually off climbing mountains, so he's not joining not joining <laughs> us today. But um, I have the pleasure of having Leanne Stitt, um, and today we're going to be talking about resiliency. Uh, Peter will be back actually in our third podcast. Um, and he'll be talking with Giselle Blackman about strategic HR leadership and what that looks like in 2021. But today, again, I have the, the pleasure of having Leanne stay with me. Welcome, Leanne. Uh, how are you doing? What's keeping you busy these days? Hi, Howie. Thanks for having me. Um, you know, this, this whole thing about resiliency that we're going to talk about right now has been keeping lots of organizations busy and myself as well. Um, so lots of coaching and facilitation in this space um, and consulting in this space. So happy to be doing something so relevant to organizations right now and talking about that. You know, and we're really lucky to have you because we know that you're, you are, you're busy, you're busy there. You're busy out in the market, busy consulting. So, so thanks for, uh, for making time um, for us today. And I know people that are listening, you know, we are going to talk about resiliency, but before we get and, and dive into that, tell us a bit more about you. Uh, okay, um, not my favorite subject to talk about, but I will do it. Um, so I'm, I would say I'm a consultant, a facilitator, a coach, kind of in all areas of uh, potential and performance for both individuals and organizations. So uh, looking back, I've had lots of senior HR roles and OD roles. I'm now leaning into kind of working as more of a consultant in outside organizations and with organizations and individuals. Um, Anything that's around maximizing potential. Um, so talent development, leadership development, healthy cultures. It's all my sweet spot and my passion. Um, so I'm happy to say I'm, yeah, purposely and passionately focused on that. Um, and a shameless plug for Logan. Sorry, spoiler alert. I'm also a very um, enthusiastic member of the Logan team and thrilled to be one. That's awesome. You know, again, it's um, at the beginning of our podcast, right? It's it's innovators, leadership gurus, and just plain old awesome people. That's who we want to talk to. And so I think it's fair to say that you check all of those boxes. And um, <laughs> we're lucky to have you and your expertise. And, and I would say, you know, one of the things, Leanne, and we've worked together on a few projects and, and a little while now, one of the things that I think is amazing about you is you truly embody what it is to be a consultant in today's day and age, right? You're well, you're experienced, you're um, very versatile, and you also have this commitment to, to learning. And I know we're going to talk about some of the mm -hmm. courses and some of the expertise that you've grown on resiliency. So 
So let's jump in. I know, you know, there's lots out there right now. It seems like you can't, you can't um, look at LinkedIn and not see something about resiliency. So what is it and why is it important? So I think a simple definition for everyone, and, and I feel like everybody has kind of some innate, innate knowledge and experience with this anyway, um, it's how quickly or and how effectively we respond to struggle, challenge, adversity, any kind of change. We know that as we walk this life, there's lots of setbacks and, and challenges that get in our way. Our resilience is how we bounce back from those, how we stay positive, how we persist, our ability to adapt and be flexible and be confident that we can either influence the outcomes or endure uh, the event that we need to. Um, why is it important? You know, I think that it really speaks to the outcomes that we create in our life and how we roll with the punches, so to speak. So it's linked to the results that we achieve as individuals, for sure, what we aspire to. So not only what can we get done, but how far do we reach and stretch ourselves as far as resilience goes. Um, and then in organizations, how we perform um, in this space so relevant to what's going on right now. You know, pivot was the word that was all over the place. How do we pivot? How do we innovate? How do we um, stay connected to our teams? How do we operate remotely? All those things would be tied to how resilient we are in those spaces. So do we operate from a growth mindset? Do we stay positive? And then the final thing I would say, just as individuals, it's really our link to our level of life satisfaction or our personal growth and our engagement. So how well do you feel aligned with your purpose and passion? Also links to resiliency because we can't reach for something um, if we don't feel confident we can get it, right? Yeah. Well, and you know, you're talking about struggle and challenge and adversity. Uh, it, it, you know, and the word pivot, another word, of course, is unprecedented, right? People are yeah. really just faced with things that we, they haven't been faced with. And, and I know, um, you know, for our family, it just seems like nothing is really as easy as it used to be pre-COVID, right? So getting groceries, um, going to the gym, if you can do that. So everything is more challenging, but knowing that people have to continue to show up at work and perform and, you know, be a parent, be a dad, be a friend, be an athlete, those expectations are still on there, on us. So, so yeah, it's, um, it's great that we have this, um, there's a focus on, on resiliency and people are really talking about it. So I know, you know, one of the reasons why we, we wanted to do a podcast with you is that you are, you know, you've developed this expertise and you're deeply immersed in the research in the area, you know, what's going on. So what are you hearing and what are you reading about resiliency? Um, there's a few, there's a few things there. Obviously, it's really relevant as we're talking about all um, to our times right now. But when I started kind of looking and diving into this, um, I found that if I was to name kind of the, the forefather of all this research, it would be Dr. Martin Selgeman. Um, and he wrote a book called Flow, um, which is how we respond to challenges in our life and maintain a well-being kind of mindset in the face of struggle. Um, he also kind of looked at what are kind of the three P's that respond to how we, how we look at adversity. And those are how much do we personalize it? How much do we say it's pervasive in every area of our life? And then the third P is 
do we see it as permanent? So he started this body of work in the 70s, a psychologist. Then other people picked up on it. So I feel like those three Ps really spoke to what resiliency meant. It wasn't maybe as relevant there. It was more talking, he was more talking about emotional intelligence at that time. But then we've got into folks like Dr. Paul Barton, who started developing assessment tools specifically around resilience and what he calls hardiness. Now I'm not gonna be able to say that word now. Hardiness. There you go. Got it. Hardiness. <laughs> once I start, once I start slipping on a word, it'll continue. Um, and then other people picked up um, this whole space. So you can't look at a thought leader in leadership without having them say something about leadership. Sheryl Sandberg wrote a book called Option B, Brene Brown, Rising Strong. Um, Daniel Kuhlman, of course, has done lots of work in emotional intelligence and resilience really links to emotional intelligence. It's part of the subscales of emotional intelligence. So when we think about um, resilience and all these different thought leaders that are talking about it, the, conce the concepts are similar. They might be presented differently, but if I boiled them into three kind of areas, it'd be how we flourish as far as individuals or teams. So mm -hmm. the three buckets could potentially be, what's our mindset in adversity? The second one might be that one I just mentioned. So how do we flourish? Do we reach far enough? Do we innovate? Do we create um, from our own individual selves and as teams? And then the third theme that's through all the concepts is it can be developed. And that's the most exciting thing in this whole area of uh, resilience. It's similar to how we look at emotional intelligence. This is a developable, developable skill. It's not static. So similar to what we look at, hey, if I go to the gym, um, if we can go to the gym during these COVID times, or if I go to my bike in my basement, um, how do I increase my speed? Um, how do I increase my strength? And how do I increase my endurance? It's the same thing we can look at. Resilience is a muscle you can train. And that I think is the most exciting thing for us and why it's so important. Wow, really well said. You know, that gives people hope, right? It gives people hope when they're looking at you know, I'm feeling drained, and I know we're going to talk about some more language that some that people can use um, to describe how they're feeling. But to know that it's a muscle, there's a hardiness muscle. Let's say um, the other thing that I think is fantastic about about the word resiliency is it's it's a word that people can understand. Um, you know, I'm sure that um, Dr. Seligman's research was you know, academic and complex. And it's hard for the everyday person to relate to that kind of stuff. But when we have people like you as experts that are, are making meaning of the research that's done uh, by thought leaders, right? And just boiling it down, it, it's great. That that label really helps helps people. Um, I think, again, just back to the sort of reassuring nature of it is that it's it's been around for a long time. It's not like a, you know, some crazy uh, fad like, a celery diet that is here and everyone talks about it and then it's gone, right? Like this is something that we're going to be talking about. And I think people really need that language. Yeah. Well, now, also, yeah. Howie, I would just add to what you're saying by saying, you know, we, we love all this research and academia that goes behind these models and, and helps us understand them. But I think part of our job um, as consultants and people that work with organizations is boil that down into a way that's really accessible. So they don't have to do all the research we can give them tools and strategies and techniques in order to leverage that research in a really accessible way. Yeah, 
I like what you said at the beginning too, just about um, people will sort of uh, have their own different understanding of what resilience is um, and whether it's the battery metaphor or, uh, you know, a, a, a bucket of water metaphor, right? And and so that's great. It really, again, the, the everyday person really appreciates the expertise that you bring. Um, I, you know, when we, we started talking about this, I can't help but think about my own state <laughs> quite selfishly. So how would I know, how would I know if I'm struggling in this area? Um, if you're looking, I think you've got to think about it from two perspectives, from an individual perspective and then from a professional perspective. Sometimes the, the professional one is easier for us to access. You know, you feel burnt out, you feel overwhelmed. You're not kind of getting through your to-do list. You're you know, maybe you're missing meetings, maybe you're like, just not prepared for things. Like some of that stuff will show up as a lack of uh, resilience, or, you know, apathy to what's going on. Um, from a personal perspective, and of course, our personal flows into our professional, often, and a more sinister kind of experience that we typically have is something they call languishing. Mm. So languishing, um, if I boiled it down into two words, uh, it would be joyless and aimless. Mm. It's kind of that feeling of being untethered um, and not having a purpose or a meaning. Um, we're used to in our lives kind of having this way of responding to our lives. We set goals, we get things done, we're out and about, we're making sure we're connecting with people. We have, you know, if we look at that life wheel, we have goals going on in every area. If some of that is starting to slip away from you and you're kind of feeling a level of meh you know yeah. that that is that is showing up then that is what they call languishing yeah. um and i spoke to flourish before and psychologists again with this academia kind of look at hey there's depression on one side so full-on depression and flourishing on the other so flourishing is the top of maslow's hierarchy right it's yeah. actual self-actualization um and, and depression is the, what we all know to be, you know, a very serious mental health condition. In the middle of that is languishing. So you're not, you know, you're not exhibiting signs that are uh, strictly linked to depression, but you've got this, you know, meh. <laughs> There's nothing that I'm connected to or driven to or pulled to. Right. Um, so that's, that's how I would describe it for us personally, typically. And again, that really that really helps, right? The language and the boundaries and and um, you know the the, the endpoints, right? So um, from flourishing to um, depression, right? I think for obviously most people, you're kind of in the middle, maybe, or maybe you're who knows. But uh, I know we've certainly and you've done a lot of really great work with us um, with our career transition clients, right? People that lose, they're sort of maybe they're close to languishing, maybe they're slightly flourishing, but then they have this unexpected job loss, this or this life event that really mm -hmm. kind of hits them, just like the pandemic has really sort of impacted a lot of people. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I mean, when um, you're coaching your clients, you know, what do you what do you say to them? How do you bring up resiliency? What is what does that interaction look like? Um, well, you know what, my clients are bringing it up to me. So that's awesome. Right. Like they're they've got yeah. some level of awareness that they're feeling a lack of connection or fatigue, like fatigue's big. Right. We're just tired of it, um, exhausted and frustrated and, and not kind of feeling any motivation. So they're kind of going, hey, what's going on? Yeah. So, you know, 
I, I feel like if I was going to take a big blanket statement, which of course you should never do with a group of coaching clients, but I just mean it in a, in a light hearted way. It's like for all of them, they, they're running the marathon. They've been running it for a long time. Um, they see the end, but they're not sure that they have the legs to get there. Mm. So it's like, what do we do now? Like they they have an intellectual understanding of how they're feeling and what they're doing, but but they are languishing. So with those clients and our what we do, I'm not sure if you asked me that question. Did you ask me what I was what what we're working on or what was coming up with them? Sorry, I started going <laughs> off on okay. a tangent. <laughs> you know when you know when you talk to your clients or when they talk about resiliency. Yeah. Um, yeah, what do you what what's the conversation look like, I guess? And and I think you've answered it right there, describing how they're feeling and you're helping them, giving them some some um insight or uh, into what they what they might be feeling, right? Yeah, for sure. And it's again, like I I circle back to this um view that uh well, not this view, this knowing that resiliency can be can be built and that it's tied to your emotional intelligence. So if you already have the awareness, and some people have the awareness and they're they're really connected to how they're feeling, other people it might be helpful to do some kind of assessment to see what's going on with them and work from there. But we all are unique, as you know. So once you've identified how you're feeling, then it's about what strategies do we use to shift your mindset? Because it's different for all of us. You have to have a will. So what's the benefit of adopting a new mindset around this? Um, and then what could the attitude or approach be given their unique situations and where they're at? So, as I said earlier on, you know, resiliency is about mindset. And everybody says mindset is so important. And we all know that. But there, it takes strategies and tools and effort to shift your mindset. Yeah. You know, we know our brains have a level of neuroplasticity, which is fantastic. We can change them. But the effort and the lift is hard. So you have to have the will and then you have to have the strategies to make sure that happens. Yeah. So again, so uh, since this podcast is about me, of course, so the, uh, <laughs> my, and me, my, and me. And my language, yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, I know, I, I know how I recharge, right. It's hopping on a mountain bike, grab my dog, North shore riding. And that I come back and I, I don't think I've ever come back from a ride and not felt like I'm recharged. So it's just what I hear you saying with, with this is it's identifying that um, there might be uh, that my batteries might be depleted and that I need to charge them up and taking action and doing things that will, yeah, that will give me a boost, so to speak, and, mm -hmm. and put me closer to the flourishing side of the scale, end of the scale. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So we've talked a lot about individuals and we know that, uh, again, individuals are, are struggling, you know, fair to say. Um, I'm really curious because, you know, you've done a lot of work with organizations and your background in HR, senior leadership roles. Um, what are some things that organizations need to be looking out for with their people or their numbers? Like, tell me more about, about that. What might be some warning signs for organizations? Well, similar to individuals, organizations are going to have it show up in, in similar forms, lack of engagement, you know team meetings that are dull and not kind of getting any creativity or innovation in them. Communication, you know, somebody that used to kind of make sure they were all in front of their teams and pulling everybody together, not doing it anymore. Burnout, isolation, people not showing up in a way that um, is productive, um, not performing, missing performance metrics, 
And often there's increases in conflict, right? When people are, when they don't have any to your battery analogy, when there's nothing left in that battery, it's very easy to get triggered, right? So is there increased conflicts going around? Is there decreased uh, productivity? Is there a problem with performers? Do you have a high performer that's all of a sudden missing deadlines? All those kind of things are signs. Um, and it, even if those signs aren't there, it would be really, really difficult to have an organization or uh, maybe not difficult, it's not the right word, but it would be very, what's the word I'm looking for, Howie? I can't imagine an organization that doesn't have some of these issues going on right now. So right. even if you don't see an obvious sign of them, you should be making sure you've got a really good pulse check on your organization because yeah. whether it's obvious to you or if it's gone underground, it's probably showing up yeah. at least in pockets throughout the organization. And let's face it, that's a lot harder for organizations to, to spot, right? Like pre-COVID, everyone's in the office, someone comes in, they didn't shower, they, yeah. you know, they look disheveled, right? That's, uh, you know, those are classic signs of, of, mm -hmm. uh, of someone struggling, right? But, yeah. you know, now we don't see that with people at home and working from home. So, um, yeah, it's but a really good there point. There could be some telltale signs still like that, you know, you, you do a meeting and everybody's got the cameras off. Right. You know, yeah. That point. might be the equivalent to the disheveled showing up, right? Like, so, nice. or you can't, you know, if you're doing Zoom and you're using polls and stuff, you're getting people not responding, got nobody doing any chatting, nobody get like, so those are all kind of signs. So that disengagement or that, yeah. 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 This, yeah. And I, you know, I hear you, what you're saying too, like organizations could, um, yeah, could have a, a, a video on policy or they could, you know, for the first five minutes of the video of, of the meeting or whatever it is. So, yeah. so there are ways around, it. but I, I, that's really great. That's a great warning sign, a concrete warning sign, right? Like yeah. no one's, no one's got their video on. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, okay. So if I'm, we're talking about building resiliency, you know, to me as an individual, it makes total sense. I, I do things that I get energy from, or I um, carve some time out, more time out for me or whatever it might be. But you know, you can't just take an organization and throw it on a mountain bike and, and, and off it goes, right? So I'm kind of scratching my head a little bit on this one. How do, or how can you, or how do you help organizations build resiliency? <laughs> well, I, I will say that I think any intervention you do with an organization has to be tailored to that organization. And there's some things that are going to be universal. You know, communication is always a really big part of how you shift an organization. Um, and I think in these times, it's going to be even more frequent than you think it should be, more transparent than you think it needs to be. Um, people need to know what's going on. And when they don't know what's going on, they're just waiting for another shoe to drop. Um, and they need to know they're valued. And our communication tools are the way we show people we value and appreciate them and want to keep them in the loop. So I think that is one tool that needs to, you just have to really bring to the forefront and up your game on as an organization. Um, I also think this is a great time for listening tours. You know, team members need to be understood in a big way. Mm -hmm. um, and you have to be... Um, thoughtful and persistent and empathetic enough to get a real answer to the question of what's really going on here. How are you really doing? Let us hear, you know, and, and there's ways to kind of like, are your EFAP programs being taken advantage of? Mm. Um, are they supporting what you need in individuals? 
that showing empathy and support is going to be paramount. Mm. Um, and, I, and I appreciate the other thing I would add to that, that, that that's going to fall on the leaders to do a lot of. So the leaders need to make sure they're putting on their oxygen mask first. Um, as if we're going to take that plain analogy, make sure that you're looking after yourself in order that you can support your team members. Cause it's, it's not light work. It's heavy lifting if you're wanting to really listen to people. Um, so those two things I think are, are, are critical. I think education always in this space and in every kind of thing, any change initiative we do is going to be having people learn and develop in the space is going to be really important. So help them gain some awareness about what really, what resilience is, how they might be impacted of it, on how themselves individually are impacted currently yeah. with their level of resiliency. And there's great tools to do that, right? Like there, here's an assessment we want you to do. We want to do a pulse check with you on how you're doing. And then we want to create a way that gives you strategies to develop. Um, so however you do that, gain the awareness and provide the strategies is going to be really important. And you'd be really surprised how people respond to you looking after them that way. You're yeah. looking after their mental health, right? So you're saying, hey, we really care about you. And we know that you need support in this space. So I think it's a really, and the other thing is, is that, and I, most organizations know this, doing that pays off hugely in performance and productivity. So, you know, that, that investment in how you're supporting people is going to really pay off for you. Um, the other thing that I would say is it's time to look at the, some of the constructs in your organization and have a really deep dive into, are these things fostering resilience or are they actually diminishing our resilience? Mm. Um, and there's all kinds of, um, all kinds of different examples of that. If I was going to, um, think of a few, you know, does your culture kind of say, hey, go out there and take risks. We're behind you. And we don't, and we know that failing is failing forward and we support you. Does that make it safe? Are, are those environments psychologically safe? Or do, that fosters um, resilience? Mm. Um, or do, are you, some of your constructs or programs uh, diminishing uh, resilience? Are you doing one performance evaluation a year that looks back and doesn't kind of set any goals going forward and is punitive as opposed to future focused and supportive? Are you providing, not providing stretch goals for people? So are you not listening to feedback? Is communication not two ways? All those things and many, many more diminish um, the building of resilience in your organizations. Right. So, you know, I, you mentioned a, an assessment and, and what's so interesting about this is no matter how, no matter how um, loud the message is from a leader saying, you know, it's okay to not be okay, or it's okay to not be yourself, or it's okay to struggle, people still might hesitate to put their hand up and say, you know what, yeah, I am actually really struggling, or this has been a really, really difficult time for me and my family. So the concept of an assessment, I'd love for you just to tell us a little bit more because that gives people a voice. It gives them an ability to, to really uh, share something in a safe way and gives leaders in an organization a chance to look at it like they would look at their um, employee engagement data. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, there's a few things there I want to pick up on. And, and one is that, you know, we all have self-awareness to a degree, but we also all have blind spots. Um, so an assessment to say, hey, here's what you might be feeling. Here's given these results. 
and you you get a score, but it's it's not a score that's good or bad. It just kind of says, here's where you're at. And if you want to get to the next level, here's some things you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if you want to have something land as far as a learning and development intervention, it is a really good idea to have here's where you start from and here's where you can go to. Yeah. Um, it shows where the goalposts are and it gives you the playbook to get there. And I think a lot of these concepts can be a little bit hard to find concrete um, strategies for unless you have something to work from. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, if you think about like, we've had years and years and years and years and years to work on strategies to engage employees pre-COVID, right? Mm -hmm. Books, books, books written. So now we're in COVID and everything's different. So we don't have these, like these strategies are, are new and, um, you're right, like this kind of pre-post test and, and getting a sense of where are we at now, where do we want to get to, and then developing some strategies to do that, that, um, that needs to happen. Well, and I think when you use engagement surveys, that could really help, or climate surveys or whatever anybody calls them in their organization, that could really help um, people understand how a tool, assessment tool in the area of resilience could help them. because. If you think of an engagement survey, you can go out and tell all your leaders, hey, we want you giving really fantastic, frequent, specific recognition, right? And they go, yep, yep, okay, Great we'll example. do that, yeah. off we go. Um, and then you get your engagement survey back and it says that people are not getting frequent, specific um, recognition, right? Then you go, okay, well, we haven't done enough work in that area, so you circle back. Um, and that's the same with resilience. The tool that I happen to be, and I'll admit my bias, I'm I'm very high on right now, is called the Hardiness Resilience Gauge. And it looks at resilience from the mental model of three things, challenge, commitment, and control. So in those three areas, there's strategies under each one of those areas for organizations and for individuals to develop. So I think it just makes it accessible, easy, and tactical. For organizations, yeah, yeah, you know, there's uh, absolutely. Um, I mean, ultimately, this is about people having a voice, being able to talk about things they're struggling with, uh, mm-hmm. and then having an organization um, act on that. So, so it sounds like um, again, the work that you're doing with organizations is um, that is 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 moving the needle in the right in the right direction, mm-hmm. so to speak. Yeah, this has been really interesting. Um, and is there anything else about resiliency that you want to add uh, and want to share with our, our listeners today? Um, with, the, with the caveat that I might be getting on my soapbox a little bit, I just think from a good corporate citizen point of view or that lens, it's a really good thing to lean into right now as far as giving that gift to of education and support and empathy to people around this area of resilience. Mm-hmm. And as these things, well, in my experience, the majority of the time, the output of that is more productivity, more like healthier cultures, better performance, um, more innovation. Like when people are looked after and are supported, they produce better results. So, and the other thing I guess I just thought of um, right now as I was saying that was, you know, the leaders of these organizations they need it too, right? Yeah. They, you know, like the gift that, like, I feel like that would be a gift to your employees that would be 
beneficial to them to increase their resilience for their life. Um, if they learn those tools, that's something they can apply to all areas of their life. You know, you know to get on your bike and go um, and ride in the hills with your dog. Not everybody knows that, right? Yeah. Um, so for some people, that's going to be new tools for their toolkit. Um, but leaders also need that. So give the gift of kind of making sure you're talking about resiliency, supporting people in that space, um, and it'll pay off for the individuals and for the organization. Yeah, really well said, really well said. Uh, I just wanna say from the Logan team of your part of, but thank you for giving us um, the gift of your time today and your expertise. It was, uh, and again, I've said this a couple of times very selfishly, I was really excited to learn about <laughs> about resiliency. I think I'm doing okay, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> um, but yeah, not only, I think people are really walking away from a lot of, a lot of really great insight into where they might be as an individual. But then again, the, the HR leaders, the leaders out there listening about their organizations as well and, and having a, giving them, a, you know, a path forward if they are noticing. Uh, and I loved your, your concrete example, right? the zoom everyone's got their video shut up so so again thank you for for sharing your time um our next podcast of course we have um peter sonier my co-host will be with giselle blackman and you know they've got a really interesting topic too which 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 links to this which is really strategic hr leadership in today's world which is completely different than it was pre-covid so another great podcast coming up um thank you again leanne um for sharing your time. Pleasure. My pleasure. Absolutely. Thanks for joining From the Peak. Peter and Howie look forward to exploring another topic with you soon and both wish you the best on your journey to the peak.